In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. I'm here with Ian Wright, 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 and I'm in the sunny USA. Ian, how are you? I'm good, Mr. Paul Brown. You are the traveling man. I think I've seen you, you know, pin a location at about three or four different cities just in the last week. So, you know, catch us up on the life of Paul Brown quickly. What have you been doing? Where have you been? Yeah, first of all, as you can hear, I'm in a car. I'm driving. I'm driving on the wrong side of the road, but I'm doing fine. But, you know, I have been to New York, Charlotte, Charleston, Atlanta, Nashville, and now I'm in like Tennessee, Kentucky, checking out the Bourbon Trail. That, I mean, to be fair, I must give you credit. You are like the most efficient tourist ever. You take what some people would spend a week in one location and you knock them all out in like all in one week. So that's quite impressive, I must say. So far, what's been your favorite part? And you can't say the Atlanta Greyhound Station. Uh, Atlanta Greyhound Station is probably my highlight. No, um, Charleston was really nice. I like a bit of everything, to be honest. So, um, yeah, I've enjoyed Nashville. Yeah, I'm going to be really, sorry, diplomatic in South. I've enjoyed every single day, uh, even the Greyhound, even Atlanta. I felt a little bit more under pressure, a bit more on edge at Atlanta, but... I think it's going to be a beautiful city. I think I definitely need to go back to Atlanta in the day and explore, do this, um, the belt around it on a bike. I'd love to do that. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of things I need to come back for. And, yeah, but I really enjoy the week. It sounds like you had a pretty good tour guide in Atlanta. It looked like you linked up with uh, Jim Brown's daughter, huh? Yeah, I met with Kimberly Brown. And, um, yeah, that was cool. We had some drinks. Uh, I know she lives in Atlanta, so I pinged her a text. Uh, also, I was in Nashville in a place called Franklin. Have you heard of this place, Ian, yeah, or not? Franklin, Tennessee. Yeah, it's a suburb of Nashville. Yep. And there is a place called Leaper's Fork. Have you heard of this place? I've heard of it. I have never been there like you have. Yeah. So I was there at this at a um, distillery, whatever it's bloody called. And um, basically, my friend asked, any celebrities coming here? And the guy behind the bar said, yeah, an ex-footballer, ex-Packers player, Clay Matthews comes in all the time. I was, I, was like, I was like, I think you mean the Browns legend, Clay Matthews. But, um, Ian, a quick question for you. Clay Matthews was bigger at the Browns than he was at the Packers. Is that correct? Well, here's the confusion, Paul. You're talking about two different Clay Matthews. Oh, best up on my Clay Matthews' dad played for the Browns, was a legendary Browns linebacker, Clay Matthews Jr. Uh, remember, do you remember Jennifer Matthews that you connected with? I, I, messaged, I messaged Jennifer after and so, told her, but she didn't really explain. Okay, yeah, so the Packers guy is her brother. The Browns legend is her dad. So you're talking two Packers. generations of Clay Matthews's. 
Well, I messed that up, didn't I? So well, anyway, not uh, really, because did he say Clay Matthews Jr. was in there? Or did he say no. Clay Matthews Sr.? See, he didn't clarify. And we all know when you don't add Jr., clearly talking about the Browns legend, should be a Hall of Famer, but that's for a different day. Did Clay Matthews only play for the Browns? Yeah, yeah, he was. I mean, he honestly, I'd have to go back and see if maybe he tried to catch on some more. But yeah, the majority of his career, all of his highlights, he was an absolute stud during the Bernie era of the Browns. Cool. Well, it's not a Clay Matthews podcast. It's a Cleveland Browns podcast. Ian, I haven't caught up with you since the Browns won in Charlotte. Yeah, my my reverse jinx worked. Um, so it was one of those things where, you know, congrats to not Brown's defensive lineman, but congrats, my brother, Alex, Wright. Uh, he had his wedding down in North Carolina, actually about three and a half hours from Charlotte this weekend. So on Sunday, I was doing a little bit of a hybrid between watching the game on my phone for a hot second. Then when we got back to the hotel, I watched the entire second half, uh, in the hotel with the wife and the new one, the little one, but it, it was good. I I had said in our pregame, the Browns needed to establish the run. I think I even set the magical marker of the Browns needed to rush for at least four yards of carry for them to have a chance at success. And damn it, Paul, if you were to guess what the Browns averaged per carry, what would you guess? 3.9. No, we won. So we're on the plus side. 5.6. yards per carry. Obviously, it was a tale of two halves. The Browns pretty much dominated the pack, the Panthers in the first half. Didn't really have much to show for it. You could see that Jacoby Brissett. I wonder if you were to go back and give uh, Stefanski some true serum, he maybe would have wanted Brissett to take a little preseason snaps because a couple of those throws that one to Cooper up the right side, I think Brissett needed to have back, and you could tell he just hadn't thrown a ball in a live game in a while. Um, I know there was a few people mentioning about, you know, some of the deep balls that he missed the reads and that's fine. Listen, it's game one. The most important thing is to get in there and get the win. They did. Uh, It wasn't pretty at times. It really wasn't, you know, the defense in the secondary had a couple mishaps, but overall, I think some of the players stood out that we figured would step up, you know, stand out. I mean, miles Garrett, I I felt bad for that rookie because he had to hop in there and, you know, somehow deal with miles Garrett who just, and some guys, woo, man, Paul, those ones where he was just bending the edge. I think Baker knew a couple of them were coming. Clowney, I thought, had an excellent game on the defensive side. JOK continues to just be a speed demon. And I will say this, Paul, you're going to be live, and I want you to look for this next week or just couple of week against the Jets. I felt like our linebackers were so much faster. Like I was watching Anthony Walker, and when he was at the Colts, he was a little bit more of a trotting, big hitter. He wasn't that speed backer. And here he is now with the Browns. He was sideline to sideline. He was fast. He was moving. He was having a, you know, just he was all over the field. So when you integrate him and JOK, I think the element of that mid-tier of the Browns defense is just going to be that. We're going to be speed. We're going to be fast. We're going to be aggressive to the ball. Glaring weaknesses, the defensive tackles didn't really do much. I know that PFF has their stats and all that stuff, but I watched all those defensive tackles. And Taven Bryan's Taven Bryan. I think he's exactly who we thought he was. The rest were a little, but the secondary has some things to work out. I think Delpit struggled. I know he had the one nice interception, but they got to work on that communication because Newsom passed him off or passed Robbie Anderson off and John Johnson's stepping up on an under route. I don't know. It was just, it's a mess. They got to figure that out. But overall defensively, is there anybody I'm missing? I thought, you know, overall the big play, uh, they missed the seam, obviously to Ian Thomas, where he ran free. That was one they missed out on, but Carolina, 
got better in the second half, but any other defensive players I'm missing that, you know, you and Jack or anybody stood out and talked about? I think you, uh, I think you covered everything there. Just gone for a red light. I've just gone for a red light. No, I think, um, yeah, I think you covered everything there. I was actually on a Jets pre-game show and they asked me about Delpit and I said he had some great moments and some bad moments. The blown coverage was bad, but I believe he got, he got his hands onto Baker, if I'm correct. Yeah, he, he got the interception. Yep. On the yeah. one where Baker missed, She Smith had a, a blitz read for all those want to go back. Ball, uh, Brian Baldinger posted about it. But if you look, Baker missed the initial hot read, so he tried to settle into zone two, and Baker just airmailed it and got picked. But listen, I think the defense is going to be driven by that D-line, you know, the pressure. I think they need to take advantage of weaker offensive lines, which is what you're obviously coming up to here against the Jets and into Pittsburgh on week three. So we're going to see the Browns defense hopefully get their, you know, the bearings in, in place and get firing on all cylinders because those last, you know, that second tier of the season, because we go from Pittsburgh to Atlanta, and then after that, the going gets tough. So when the going gets tough, Paul, you know what they say, the tough gets going. So we're going to need the defense to drive the, to drive the boat because offensively, I think we see the challenges. We have the stability in the offensive line. I think Teller was just that calling call on him was rubbish as you would say, but I don't know what the hell they're like. Come on now. The guy's getting manhandled. Don't give him a bailout penalty, but Pochett stepped in, looked good. Not great. I mean, I think he just needs to be able to get his hat on the right side of the defenders for the zone scheme. And Nick Chubb just runs the ball, baby. I mean, he's just a fun guy to watch really, you know, I'm sure you, you've seen him live, I think, more times than I am. But, man, just on the field, he's so fast. And yet on TV, he doesn't look like it. And then you see these guys just whiff, hoof here, who arm tackling. He's through that. And then Kareem Hunt comes in and just bang, 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 just hitting him with the helmet. It's, it's a good mix that they have going on there. And you can really see that Stefanski is trying to get that run game tuned up because I think we've said it, Paul. Brissett's just not. He's not a top 10, top 15 quarterback. He's not. There's nothing against the guy. I mean, he's just a great backup. He was flawless with his short yardage quarterback sneaks, as Jack and I have pointed out. But they need to do the best to manage games. And they're, listen, if it takes 58-yard field goals to win each game, Paul, as long as they go through, who cares? Like, if a win's a win. We're, there's no points. There's no style points. Just win the game. So, yeah. I think there's, I think there's one – there's two players, I think – you've missed a mention is uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones and Swartz. I thought both had a lot better games than we've seen in the past. Yeah, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones was all over the field in terms of making tough contested catches, which is exactly what you need him to do. So it's just one of those things where he needs to continue to fill the role that he has. And, you know, from there, he's going to get opportunities. Amari Cooper showed why he can be one of the top receivers in the league. I mean, his footwork, his timing, his ability to create separation, his ability to read coverages in terms of when, you know, when he's coming out of his stem, does he want to break this? And I think him and Brissett had a decent mix on a couple of those ones. Uh, the one obviously they missed was the one where he just turned JC Horn completely in a circle, but yeah, it's it. They're starting to fire. And who was the second player you said after Donovan people's Jones? Anthony Schwartz. Yeah, Schwartz. Oh, listen, Owen and I kill him a lot. And it's because he just, I think with him, it's a confidence thing. When that ball's in the air, I just think that his brain turns on and starts firing too fast. Getting the ball in his hands, 20 yards rushing, end arounds, not a bad thing. Build up that confidence with him. 
and he'll be able to, from there, develop into something. I mean, we saw what Robbie Anderson can do. So as long as he can catch a putt like that, in essence, we got to try to figure out ways where defenses are looking in, looking in, and then we hit them over the top. Because once David Bell gets acclimated to the offense, once, you know, I, I even mentioned about David Njoku being probably more of a decoy at this point, which that's pretty much what he did. I mean, he he was out. He was made a couple of decent catches, but you could tell that when a tight end is in coverage, they were definitely focused on David Njoku, which let Harrison Bryant slip through and on a couple of nice third and longs, you know, settle down in coverage and move the sticks. So, you know, Schwartz is going to take time. And I know I'm, trust me, I'm one of the ones to tell you, like, he's got a long way to go. He really does. He has to learn how to play wide receiver because at this point, he's just a fast guy. So he'll get there. I mean, I, I think that eventually if the Browns have patience for him and he can sit at the bottom of that, you know, 53 man uh, roster with, in terms of the wide receivers, I think he'll be okay eventually. So uh, I, I know we're not going to go too deep with the Jets in this podcast, but how are you seeing the Jets looking up? You know, we know for a fact that the quarterback is Joe Flacco. Uh, Flacco, yeah. So, um, how are you feeling about the Jets? You, you're feeling we should be competent for this game, right? Uh, I I don't like to look past opponents. I don't. But the Jets stink. Okay, the Jet the Jets aren't any good. Um, they what's, struck- the, what's the um, uh, difference? The bookies. Uh, oh, the point. The, the point spread. Uh, yeah. Last I saw, I think it was Browns at home minus six and a half. So they're basically giving the the Browns just under a touchdown. But the thing with the Jets is they're just a young team. They've got a lot of these rookies. You know, their GM is really just focused on doing their best to, to, to build through the draft the best they the best they can. So I think they'll be competent on special teams. I think their defense is going to give the Browns an ability to maybe gain some confidence. I don't necessarily see them being the most uh, stout team in terms of their ability to stop the run. Um, I know that, you know, in week one, the Ravens were able to kind of move the ball pretty freely against them. Lamar Jackson, who we know isn't the greatest throw of the ball, but he was able to complete some decent passes on them. So I think this is a good tune-up game for the Browns. I think I'm not, I'm not going to have to use the reverse jinx on this one, but once we get into the position by position, or I should say side of the ball, side of the ball breakdown, I think the Browns should win this one pretty easily. I don't think we should be relying on Cade York's beautiful leg of draw to uh, to win this one. I think we'll. I think six and a half is something I might lay and pick up the Browns in those points. And uh, anything that's anything that worries you? Well, the worry is always the health, right? The health of the team, you know. And you know the the injury reports out today, and you know Jack Conklin's did not practice today. Chris Hubbard did not practice today. I think Njoku's excused. That was a personal reason, not an injury. Um, so I did see that. I think Michael Woods came back. Uh, so he was back at practice, which is good. I want to kind of maybe see if they have an idea or a role for him. Um, but yeah, outside of that, we, you know, I was talking about this with some of the guys. We got to be careful in thinking we have depth in certain positions. You know, I think Browns fans sometimes get really addicted to running their team, like a fantasy team or like a Madden team. We always want to trade cream Hunter. We want to trade this guy or trade greedy Williams or trade this guy and get this guy, you know, and I get it. We're, we're, you want to take a position of strength and improve an area of weakness, but Paul did cream hunt not look pretty damn valuable to the Browns in week one. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe you could trade the Johnson or I don't know, but 
what happens if Kareem Hunt rolls an ankle and now I get Dearness in there? It seems like this two running back thing is not bad to have. So, you know, you don't want to just not have any redundancy at these positions where you have the ability to step in. You know, Jack Conklin, we knew it was going to take him a little bit of time to get back, get his reps. This is a guy with all pro talent, all pro. Okay. You want him out there. You want him 100%. Chris Hubbard, same thing. These guys are coming back from injuries. Joe Haig, James Hudson was able to step up and play well. So I think that we just need to pump the brakes sometimes on turning over this roster to try to go out and find out, you know, some safety there or some defensive tackle. Because what happens if you trade somebody, the, the player you trade for is going to take weeks to acclimate. They're not as good maybe as you think they are in our system. So now I've defic- I've taken away from one position and now I don't have as good in the other position. So I've created holes. So I think yeah. sometimes we just have to be very careful on that because we get a little bit, Duffany, as I'll say, where we start looking at contracts and numbers as opposed to we need talent on the field and positions because as we saw from week one in the NFL, whether it's Dak, whether it's Jamal Adams, these guys get hurt. And yes, you need younger players developing underneath them, but at the same time, you need guys that can come in and win or else your season's scrapped, right? That That's what you got to make sure you do. How far away is Conklin and uh, Hubbard from making the roster do you think well the fact that they didn't ir him will tell you that the that they don't think it's something where they're going to miss a considerable amount of the season you know i think if i'm not mistaken conklin practiced yesterday on a limited basis so maybe they just wanted to kind of monitor it today to see how much swelling or inflammation he'd have you know it is still only thursday i should say you know it's for those watching at home thursday the 15th when we're recording but that gives them a day or two to see but hudson played well so it's one of those things where there's not an immediate need to step him in there. But I think we know when Jack's ready, Jack's going to go in there, not Duffin, Conklin, and he's going to you know, need to anchor that side of the line because as we saw with Nick Harris, with the Packers, we were really relying on him at center and then one play and he's done. And now we got Pochich in there. And I think he graded out like the bottom third of center. So it's like we just need to make sure we have – the right people in place to continue to keep the boat rowing in the right direction. Yeah, gotcha. By the and, way, uh, uh, Paul, did you still, go ahead. Go on. No, you is first. Yeah, we'll wait. We'll, we'll hold off. We need Duffin on that one. I mean, if you'd like to just go ahead and make it 2120, we can just put you in chalk for that. It's up to you. So I'm going to go with uh, 2414 this week. Anyway, that's just. I hope the Browns score. Yeah. A bit. I hope this. They uh, score a little bit more than that. But either way, uh, I will say, you know, we're not one on this podcast to talk a lot about how people parent and raise their kids. But uh, did you see the the comments from a uh, friend of the show, former guest, Joe Thomas? Uh, Joe Thomas brings his kids up the right way, the Browns way. Is that that is right. Joe Thomas says, I'm raising my kids the right way. I'm raising them to be Browns fans. See, we just got to keep infusing. And I'm telling my wife this all the time. Unfortunately, her team won on week one, just like ours. So I wasn't able to kind of convince my daughter one way or another, which way we're going to go. But yes, we need to make sure we're going to raise them the right way. But there was some other interesting things because it was a slow media day. You know, Joe had said he was beyond grateful for the support he got from Browns fans because He's right. He doesn't play a sexy position. There's a lot of things that, you know, sometimes you wonder why Browns fans get so elated over an offensive lineman. But it just goes to show you the guys that come to Cleveland generally love it. Same way you find out like, 
hockey players that go and play for the Blue Jackets. They get there for a couple of seasons. They're like, wow, this is a great place. Like, how's a great place to raise a family? Your money goes further. You know, I know, Paul, you're going to get the joy. When, when are you making it to Ohio, Paul? Yeah, so I'll be in Ohio tomorrow evening. So I'm traveling now to Buffalo Trace. And then after my Buffalo Trace tour, I then head up to sunny Columbus. So Friday night, I will be in Columbus. Ah, very nice. Going to the Ohio State Toledo game, right? I'm not, mate, because it's a seven o'clock kickoff, and I want to get up to um, five o'clock start for the Muni lot. So uh, I want to just get up to uh, Cleveland. Get up to Cleveland early. first, yeah. Yeah, I forgot that that's a night game. That's unusual for an Ohio State Toledo Mac game to be at, at that late, but should be a good game. I, uh, you know, but Columbus is a fun city. Obviously, say hello to all my friends there. It, I, shout out to even the friends you ran into mine down in Charlotte too. So I saw that you, uh, Mr. Brian Baird, found you. Yeah, so I uh, bumped into someone at the uh, tailgate, and they said, "I know Ian Wright," and I was thinking, Ian Wright, the footballer, no. Ian Wright, the podcaster on the Paul Brown podcast. So, uh, yeah. Uh, is he a friend of yours or? Yeah. Yep. With him, right? Yeah. He's an Ohio State guy. Uh, I've known Baird for a number of years. Good guy. Uh, way too many stories that are not podcast appropriate with uh, with Brian and I. But yeah, he's living down in Charlotte now, having a good time. So it's good that you were able to link up with him. So there was a lot of how it seemed like on TV, there was a decent amount of Browns fans in the stadium. Yeah, I think there was forty percent Browns fans in the stadium, and yeah, we were making a lot of noise. But the Charlotte or the Caroline Panther fans were making a lot of noise on, on third downs. Well, that's good. Yeah, it was, it was, You'd expect it was great, that. Yeah, great atmosphere. One of the best games I've been to. Oh, um, that, well, because they got the win. You saw history, yeah. Paul. That hasn't happened in seventeen years, buddy. Seventeen, eighteen. Oh, Jesus! See, they all seem times fly when you're having fun. But yeah, it. Listen, I think the Browns, the first four games, they need to get as many wins as possible. You know, because that schedule gets tough. But uh, so you're going to make it for the Jets game, and then you're staying in time for that Steelers game, right? And then you're heading out. Right. Yes. So yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to spending some time in Cleveland. I'll be there for three whole days when there's no Cleveland Brown games on. So. I'll be exploring the area. Gotcha. Well, if you need to link up for a nice cup of British tea, I'll send you over to my parents' house. Well, that'd be nice. So yeah, you can so. you can go you can go crash there and hang out with the Mrs. Wright. Yeah. Uh, one oh. question for you, Ian. What's no. your thoughts on the elf midfield uh, thing? I have no problem with the elf. I know some people are very anti-elf. Um, I don't mind it. I think it's kind of a cool-looking logo. Obviously the world didn't understand that Brownie the elf existed far before like last week. There was all these people were like, Whoa, they invented this. It's been around for a while guys, like longer than I've been alive. So I'm not sure. I just don't want to go down that like demonic elf type of route. I don't mind it, but it kind of needs to stay in like a little bit of the character fun route. Uh, I don't want to see any like demon elves or anything like that. That would just get a little weird for me, but I don't mind it. Yeah. You know, uh, Obviously, being Paul Brown, I'm not, I like the elf, blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, uh, 90% of Browns fans like it. So, uh, yeah, very, very positive. They voted for it. Can't knock the Haslam's for that one. They had a vote. That one won. There you go. 
fairly diplomatic, I think it was, to be honest. Yes, yes. Uh, Paul, I did I did watch the, the Queen's uh, celebrations uh, yesterday. As you know, big, big fan of the Queen and the, the royal family. Uh, I saw that, I believe, Windsor Castle is where she's going to be buried. I thought Westminster, but I could be totally wrong. Well, we'll have to figure out next time I'm over there, pay my respects. Uh, my mom's father uh, did have the opportunity to meet the queen years and years ago. So he was part of the RAF squadron for the queen squadron. So, yep, it seems like a lot of pomp and circumstance, but also up there in Scotland, which was good to see. Did your grandfather ever shake the queen's hand? I don't know if there was ever he got one of those proclamations. You know how they get when you formally meet the queen, they give you like yes. that is a proclamation or declaration. He has one of those. So I don't know if as an officer in the RAF, they would have done that. So but I, I could do a little research on that and find out. But my grandfather joined the RAF in 1949. The queen was sworn in in 1952. So it's crazy to think that that's how long she served in that in that role. So. But it's good to see the boys are getting along again, William and Harry. Yeah, I think always, brothers always get on well. I think it's uh, other people in the family which causes the rift. So you know what they need is they need to hire Paul Brown, the ambassador to the party, get him in the same room, let you organize it. Maybe go to a little night on the town with Paul. That would fix all the problems. There'd be no problems after my help, Paul Brown, I'll tell you that. Absolutely. Um, so. uh, and yet... Yeah, Anything else in the Browns news today, Ian? Nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. I think tomorrow is going to be an important day uh, in terms of injuries. Find out what's going on there. See, make sure everyone's you know healthy. We luckily came out of that first game with nothing major. Um, so I think the Browns obviously still have a lot of room to grow, which we'll talk about with Jack uh, in the offensive positional breakdown, defensive positional breakdown. I know he's still seething about some of the specials in the return game, but he loves the kickers because we all know how much Jack loves kickers. But but yeah, hey, we'll break that all down later in the week. Uh, but for now, if we get nothing else to add, Paul, I believe it's uh, Go Browns. Yeah, Go Browns from Tennessee, heading to Kentucky now. And uh, yeah, look forward to seeing anyone listening to the podcast in Cleveland at the next two games. Perfect. <laughs>